this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another episode of the in focus podcast i'm your host g sampad a new paper released by the niti aayog has claimed that multidimensional poverty or mdi in india has declined from 29.17% in 2013-14 to 11.28% in 2022-23 and it has also said that 24.82 crore people have quote unquote escaped from multidimensional poverty during this 9 year period which is also roughly the decade the narendra modi government has been in power titled multidimensional poverty in india since 2005-06 a discussion paper this niti aayog report also claims that india is well on track to achieve the sustainable development goal sdg 1.2 of halving multidimensional poverty by 2030 the report also claims that various government initiatives such as poshan abhiyan anemia mukt bharat and ujjwala yojana have played a critical role in mitigating different forms of deprivation now on the face of it india managing to reduce its poverty headcount is no doubt a great achievement but at the same time development economists have been complaining bitterly about the increasing difficulty in accessing relevant data so are these claims in this report based on hard data or are they projections does a reduction in multidimensional poverty headcount actually mean a reduction in poverty itself and how do these claims square with india's worsening rank for instance in the global hunger index we discuss all this and more in this episode and we have with us the economist arun kumar who is the malcolm adi seshaya chair professor at the institute of social sciences new delhi professor kumar thank you so much for joining us thank you sampath for having me yeah Uh, professor kumar to start with can you please explain for the benefit of our listeners what exactly is multidimensional poverty as as a as a metric or a measure and how is it different from what we traditionally understand when someone talks about a growth or a decrease in poverty levels in our country so uh, sampath you know growth is about the increase of the total income of the economy it it is not about what each individual is earning and therefore the distribution of the income matters you know and those who are at the bottom uh, their incomes are very low and that's why they are said to be poor uh, so in india we have extreme disparity where we have the third largest number of billionaires in the world at a per capita income which is 137th in the world so in per capita incomes it's very low and because there are such a large number of uh, billionaires earning you know lots and lots of money every year people at the bottom are earning very little so the eastram portal data uh, and the prime minister said 30 crores are registered there uh, that shows that 94% say that they are earning less than 10000 rupees uh, per month per person now uh, given that you know uh, the world bank poverty line now is 2.15 dollars per person per day you know uh, it, it suggests that you know an average family needs 26 and a half thousand rupees per month uh, now that's supposed to be in ppp terms even if we divided by uh, 2.5 or 3 we still have you know 9 and a half thousand rupees uh, for a family of 5 uh, for poverty line 
and uh, people are saying that uh, 94% people in the uh, uh, 30 crore uh, you know registered on the e-stamp portal they are saying they are earning less than 10000 rupees so it means that you know there's a large amount of people who are poor by that criteria by the world bank criteria okay uh, so decrease in poverty will mean not just uh, income Uh, rising but it will mean the well being of the individuals in society to rise especially those who are poor those who are at the bottom 90% uh, uh, of the uh, the society so how do we define poverty that becomes a very important question uh, and we define poverty uh, typically as what is the socially necessary minimum consumption and the socially necessary minimum consumption keeps changing with time and space so for instance in uh, somebody living in ladakh would need good clothing good housing good energy good food you know to be able to survive a winter there uh, which is actually uh, what a middle class family will get in the plains or in tamil nadu maybe you know it's easy to survive you know with very little because the climate is warm you don't need very good clothing very good housing etc etc so poverty is uh, if if it is defined as socially minimum necessary consumption then it is space specific and time specific as times change as society changes the poverty line also changes so we are uh, you know chasing a moving target it is not that we fix something in 1962 or fix something in 1993 or in 2012 and that will apply also in 2023 so what we have seen is that in india itself we have been having a change in the definition of poverty where we earlier used to think of a calorific norm and it was said in 1962 that we don't need to include education and health because the state will provide that but that never happened so therefore the the wider definition of consumption came in in the 90s and then the human development index which was proposed by uh, amart sen which included more than income and consumption it included uh, slightly more of consumption of other things and then came the multi dimensional poverty which is what we are using in india now the multi dimensional poverty consists of three major components one is education the other is health and the third is the standard of living each of these things has one third weight Uh, in the uh, uh, the basket that is uh, there now in a uh, health dimension we include nutrition and child and adolescent then mortality indicators and in education dimensions include you know years of schooling and school attendance indicators standard of living dimension includes uh, household specific indicators like uh, housing household assets type of cooking fuel access to sanitation drinking water electricity so if a person is deprived in at least one third of these indicators then we say that the person is poor so multidimensionally uh, a poor individual is suffering from deprivation on uh, one third of these uh, indicators that are used so this um, uh, this index that is created is a pr- product of say the deprivation the percentage of the population that is deprived you know in terms of these indicators multiplied by the extent of you know the the uh, the deprivation so in a sense it's a bit complicated but what it is trying to do is it's saying that it's not just income poverty that we are capturing but we are capturing more you know other requirements of the individual are also getting captured and then uh, how much of, of that deprivation is there so these two factors together are uh, what is there in the multi dimensional poverty index so there's multi dimensional poverty and then the index is created on the basis of the uh, headcount and so on uh, that is there 
So it's slightly complicated. But the problem that arises with this definition is that it is based on certain inputs rather than the outcomes, you know. And so, you know, we can claim that if the input is there, whether the outcome is there or not, we can claim that, you know, multidimensional poverty has come down. So the people have been critical, like uh, Santosh Mehrotra has written recently on this, that how this is not an appropriate measure. And the headcount, uh, uh, the human development index may be a better indicator than this multidimensional poverty thing. But in my judgment, actually, uh, even uh, more than that, what we have to do as a nation, define what is the living wage, uh, because that's what the constitution promises. And if somebody doesn't have a living wage, then the person is poor. So this living wage means you should have good education, good health, good nutrition, good housing, good clothing, etc. So in a sense, multidimensional poverty tries to capture some of that, but it's from the input side, but not from the outcome side. Whereas we need to see the outcome because very often the government programs are not able to successfully reach everybody. And uh, it is simply taken that if the, you know, if we, if we say that we have given uh, cooking gas uh, cylinders to everybody, then everybody has cooking gas cylinders, you know, whereas actually people may not be using the cooking gas cylinders. Similarly, when we talk about enrollment in schools, then, you know, we may have enrollment, but children may not be able to go to school because of a variety of things. So we don't have the outcome. We know that we have the input. And that's why the government, you know, is using this multidimensional poverty to basically claim that poverty has declined. Right. I mean, thank you so much uh, for the detailed explanation, Professor Kumar. I mean, that really, it really is a complicated uh, kind of a term and you've done a great job of explaining it. I was just curious if you can, uh, you know, you were talking about the difference between, you know, measuring inputs and measuring outcomes. So I was just wondering, you know, if government can say we have given so many inputs in terms of this, that and all that, and then claim that there is a reduction. So to put it differently, is it possible to have a reduction in multi-dimensional poverty headcount, so to speak, and at the same time, no real reduction in poverty as, as for example, you would understand it in terms of a living wage or purchasing power uh, or consumption expenditure? So, yes, uh, as we were discussing, uh, you could have a reduction in multi-dimensional poverty, but in actual practice, the poverty may not decline. And this is the case with the current report also. But because, for instance, what is being done is that the National Health and Family Survey data, uh, which is uh, done every few years, uh, it was done in 2015-16. And that is compared to the next round of National Health and Family Survey done in 2019-21. to Now note, one year of survey of 2015-16 is being compared to two years of the survey of 2019-21. Uh, this is very peculiar. Because it includes 2020-21, which was a year when the economy received a shock of the pandemic. So the data for 2019-20 and 2020-21 should not be averaged out as it has been done in the report. Uh, so that creates a flaw. And then further, what is being done is from 2020-21, it is projected to 2022-23. Now that's another flaw because when the data itself is flawed in 2020-21, then how can you project it, you know, to the next year and the next year, you know, because that will create errors. So therefore, basically what I, I have argued is that the data itself is incorrect. And if the data is incorrect, then the poverty will not get captured. Okay. So even though multidimensional poverty index, because it's based on inputs, 
that may show that uh, things are better because you you say that you you've given more of cylinders you've got more enrollment in schools you've got more uh, health centers but during the pandemic we found that all of these had a problem you know so projection of inputs doesn't mean that the outcomes are there secondly the census is the basis on which you do the sampling and if the sampling is not correct then your uh, then the results will also in uh, be incorrect so we are using the 2011 census because the 2021 census has not been done and there has been a huge change between 2011 2021 so we are reliant on the 2011 census which doesn't represent what is happening in 2021 22 23 so therefore uh, we need to be careful about that and especially the 2020 21 the unorganized sector got hit very hard and the unorganized sector has 94% of the employment now if they got hit very hard and their data is not captured in our uh, national account statistics is not captured in other things then it means that our data is incorrect and if the data is incorrect then you can say that okay you know uh, our multidimensional poverty has gone down whereas in reality it hasn't because the the uh, pandemic hit the health sectors and education sectors very hard and that is not being captured in the input data for instance we know that there were a lot of deaths which went unrecorded uh, we also know that uh, people uh, could not get hospitals or uh, dispensaries because they didn't exist where they were there on paper so uh, showing that the inputs don't lead to the output similarly in the education sector we know schools were closed children were not were not going to class etc they were uh, sitting at home uh and they, they had to focus on a small screen for hours which is impossible so we are not looking at the education outcome also and similarly because the income decline especially in the uh, unorganized sector uh, the well being was not better well being declined so therefore we we can see that this data which is being used will not give the correct outcome and therefore even though the data on multidimensional poverty may show that multidimensional poverty is decreased actually the uh, problem is that uh, poverty may be increasing and you know the, just today i saw the acer report and the acer report shows that how you know 50% of children in the age group of 14 to 18 those who are about to enter the job market uh, they cannot do maths they cannot do proper uh, language skills etc so therefore in a sense uh, even though you may say that so many children are enrolled okay but what is the outcome the outcome is uh, very poor and that outcome uh, we know in the case of education not only in india but even in the us which is uh, well endowed there the the math skills decline the cognitive skills decline because children weren't going to schools etc so that kind of decline was much sharper in india and that is not captured so the outcome is not captured right uh, professor kumar i was sorry to interrupt you just to uh, come back on this data question when i was just going through the report and you know the discussion paper and it speaks of you know interpolation and extrapolation in arriving at its figures you know the the two main uh, years it's talking about you know the comparison 2013-14 to 2022-2023 now neither for 2013-14 nor for 2022-23 is it depending on directly on any data i mean 2013-14 uh, figures are projections is what i can make out and 2022-23 is also uh, some kind of a projection which is what is interpolation extrapolation uh, means to a lay person like me so can you so is the, are they really speculative estimates can you please throw some light on this uh, this interpolation extrapolation business uh, yeah so so it's not speculative speculative means that you just cook up some figures huh 
they say that they have a basis, you know. So what is the basis? The basis is that, you know, the, the year that is prior to 2015-16, where the National Health and Family uh, Survey was done, uh, you are using a compound rate of growth to uh, figure out what had happened in the year preceding that, okay? Because you want to make a comparison of that year with the end point of the current regime, okay? So that's why it's being done. Now, that is a legitimate thing to do, to do some kind of interpolation between the two years that for which you have the data, okay? Uh, it's legitimate because you have no other way of doing it. Uh, now, the, the, the projection that is being done from uh, 2021 to 2022-2023, that is where the problem arises. Because when you do extrapolations, extrapolations have to have a basis. Extrapolations have to be on the basis of some kind of regularity in the data. But we know that 2021 and 21-22 were pandemic years when production suffered, income suffered, health outcomes suffered, you know, the education outcomes suffered. You cannot then do the projection. So the basis for projecting from 2021 to 22-23, that is incorrect. But the interpolation that could be done for the, the starting year, uh, that is legitimate because there, there was no shock. But if you try to project 2015-16 to 2016-17, when the demonetization was done, that would be incorrect. Because the, the demonetization produced a shock in the economy and changed the parameters. So as long as the parameters don't change, you can do extrapolation and interpolation. But when the parameters change, then you cannot do that. And that's where I think the problem lies. Right. One one other uh, question with regard to uh, the process and the method here, uh, Professor Kumar. Now, we know that the Global Multidimensional Poverty Index uses uh, 10 indicators, but the Niti Aayog has added two more indicators, maternal health and uh, bank accounts. I was just wondering, what is the logic in including bank accounts to a poverty index? Because I mean, a person can have a bank account and have no money in it, right? So how does this uh, become a, a factor in this? I mean, what is the logic here? You know, the government is looking for presenting a good image uh, of itself. And therefore, by including extra variables, more than what the world uh, uh, uses 10, we are now using 12. Uh, clearly, you know, after the Jandhan accounts were opened, a lot of people uh, ha had bank accounts. So therefore, this would give an upward bias to the reduction of poverty, you know. And that's what the government is trying to aim for. So uh, we all know that large number of these uh, Jandhan accounts had zero balance because the poor are not expected to save. Poor are deprived in terms of the basics. Now, when they're deprived in terms of the basics, they are not going to be saving and therefore their accounts will not have money. So in fact, I wrote an article uh, at that time saying that those who are actually putting their money in may be actually fictitious uh, accounts. Uh, opened by the better of uh, people and who are putting their money. And we saw that during the demonetization, about 70,000 crores of money was put in. Now, the poor don't have 70,000 crores to put in there because they are actually deprived of basics. So that was the money coming from the others. So that shows that many of these Jandhan accounts either have zero balances or are fake accounts opened by other people. And therefore, it just gives an upward bias in terms of the reduction of poverty. Uh, so uh, this kind of thing is a, is a play with the uh, data to try and show better out, uh, results. So that's why I think these two uh, indicators were uh, used. 
right an upward bias uh, uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, helping with damage okay moving on uh, professor kumar the report also claims that the states uh, which saw the biggest declines in multidimensional poverty are uttar pradesh and uh, bihar and madhya pradesh too you know the so called bimaru states which are traditionally been uh, uh, witness to a lot of deprivation now how does this claim of uh, such a sharp fall in multidimensional poverty in these three states Uh, like correlate with other indirect indicators, for instance, like distress migration and so on and so forth. So you are absolutely right. You know, when we use the the input indicators rather than the outcomes, then it is these poorer states that will show a big uh, fall in poverty because uh, your schemes will claim that you have done this, you have done that, you, that you have enrolled students in the schools, that you know you've opened dispensaries and you you know. Uh, 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 got various things, but the, the problem is that you know uh, the outcomes uh, are what we need to see. So when you say that distress migration is continuing and it still remains very large, that is an outcome. So that's an outcome of continuing poverty. But the multidimensional poverty index will not look at that. So therefore, you know, uh, especially for the poorer states, you'll claim a big fall in poverty because that's the way the method is uh, devised. uh so the problem really is that our data itself is incorrect you know the, the and the, the the variables that we are looking at those are incorrect for instance demonetization hit the unorganized sector the unorganized sector lost incomes then the gst hit the unorganized sector then again they lost incomes and it is these poorer states where the unorganized sector is very large it is the richer states where the organized sector is larger so in the unorganized sector declines then what happens is that you know the poverty would be higher and when the unorganized sector declines then the unemployment will be high now unemployment should have been an indicator but unemployment is not uh, uh, being taken as an indicator in this uh, multidimensional po- uh, poverty index so the big thing that would represent you know because if you don't have uh, uh, employment then you don't have income and we have shown in our report that there are four kinds of uh, unemployment you you are looking for work and not finding work you may be in agriculture and there may be disguised unemployment then there's underemployment because you're not getting adequate number of hours of work per week and then there are those who have just left uh, uh, you know uh, the job market they're not even looking for uh, work so these four kinds of unemployment are huge and that is not captured and that's what the poverty is a result of so if you don't capture the real variables which are actually going to reflect the uh, poverty then you know you you'll have uh, fictitious figures in a sense of uh, reduction of poverty and that will be the biggest in the poorest uh, states because that is where unemployment is high that's why there is distress migration that's where the incomes are low that's why you have distress migration so all the things the, the outcomes you know uh, for that you know uh, this uh, multidimensional poverty index is inadequate to uh, capture right i mean when we spoke of uh, distress migration there is another uh, indirect indicator possibly of uh, how we are doing in terms of poverty is the global hunger index where again india's uh, rank has been going down so i was just wondering uh, professor kumar before we wrap up one last question for you the report also uh, concludes in a very optimistic note that india is ahead of the curve you know well on track when it comes to meeting the sdg uh, sustainable development goal 1.2 of halving multidimensional poverty in india by 2030 i mean it says that we might we might reach that target well in advance so are we on track uh, to reach that goal 
Well, from what we have been discussing, if our data is incorrect and if the unorganized sector data is not captured, uh, and I have been arguing that our rate of growth of the economy is not 7% as the government claims, that is the rate of growth of the organized sector. The unorganized sector is unambiguously declining. You know, uh, for instance, uh, you see in the trade sector, you know, e-commerce is rising, malls are rising, and therefore the neighborhood stores are going down. And that's the second largest em employer. In agriculture, you have more and more mechanization. So more harvester combines, more tractors, etc. And that's why disguised unemployment in agriculture is rising and people income from agriculture is not rising, you know, in real terms. Uh, so the big, you know, micro sector, there also there's a decline because you have reports from various uh, things like uh, textile, from uh, leather goods sector, from FMCG sector, etc. Uh, that, you know, the share of the organized sector is rising, the share of the unorganized sector is dec uh, decreasing. So you have all these reports of the decline in the unorganized sector, uh, which are not captured in our data, which are not captured in our national income. That's why I keep arguing that we are not growing at 7%, but we are growing at barely maybe 1% or 2%. So if that is the case, then our data is incorrect. And if the data is incorrect on the basis of incorrect data, you can say that we'll meet the SDG goals, you know, of having multidimensional poverty by 2030. But if you look at the ground situation, the, the way the, the unemployment situation is and the youth, high degree of uh, unemployment, uh, uh, and especially uh, women, you know, so the labor force participation rate for women is abysmally low in India. It has gone up recently, but again, I doubt that it has really gone up that much. Uh, youth, uh, the more educated you are in the age group of 15 to 29, more is the unemployment. Now, these are all pointing to how the poverty is persisting in spite of what multidimensional poverty index may be saying and whatever the government may be saying. So I think we have to really move away from this multidimensional poverty uh, index to looking at the outcomes, you know, uh, not the inputs. Uh, once we do that, then we'll realize the, what the real situation is. But, you know, it's this multidimensional poverty index is coming in handy for the government to make claims uh, which are not actually the uh, correct uh, description of the economy. Right. Thank you so much, Professor Kumar, for explaining uh, the various aspects of this report. I mean, I mean, two major takeaways for me. One, of course, uh, the data is not uh, exactly correct. And secondly, uh, the any kind of an attempt to measure poverty should be focusing on outcomes rather than inputs. And that is not the case uh, with this report. And I think there is a lot of uh, problematic elements to this. Thank you so much once again for uh, joining us and for sharing your observations and insights on this uh, topic. Thank you so much, Professor Kumar. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you. In Focus, we'll be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.